You're listening to City Church Long Beach Sermons Podcast. You can visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. Would you lift us and use us to lift others? In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, One of the things we really like to do around City Church is we like to bless our kiddos because we think kids are fantastic, amazing, tremendous, and very fun. So um, I'm going to invite up Emma Roy. Emma Roy, if you would welcome Emma. She's going to pray over our kiddos. There we go. Um, And then we'll let our kids go out and have some fun. All right. Thank God for the kids of City Church. Holy One, we pray today a prayer of gratitude for all the kids who come. The kids who come Uh, Because they say they want to, and the kids who maybe feel like they don't have so much choice. (laughs) (laughs) We are so grateful that you're here. And we pray that you know what a part of making church you are, and how grateful we are to see you each week. And we pray and give thanks for how you practice together, and you practice kindness and forgiveness and gentleness with each other. May you and all the olds too come together to make a space where we can all really be ourselves and be awkward and confused, but very beloved and very much better together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks so much, Emma Roy. So kiddos, if you want, you can go hang out with Emma and Katie and Charmaine, some of the other super cool folks. Um, and why don't you welcome Brenna Rubio, our other fearless co-pastor. Is that the side you want today, Bill? Uh, I don't, I'm, I'm flexible. Okay. I mean, usually you have a preferred side. I, I do. I do. It's, okay. I think over here. I think All this right. is going to be the winning side. Okay. Just making sure. <laughs> you know, this is part of doing the dance, doing it together. <laughs> I hey. know. Hey, everyone. Um, yeah, it's really good to be here all all together today. Um, so, thinking about our story for today, the, the passage that we're going to be diving into as we continue getting to know um, one of Jesus' friends and disciples, Peter, and thinking about the spiritual journey uh, with him, I realized there was something that some of you may not know about me. You know, it's possible that with my four kids and my minivan, and my tendency to be asleep by nine most nights. Some of you may not know that I am quite the daredevil. Do you believe me? (laughs) No, you don't. Okay, you shouldn't. But there is a way in which I am a daredevil. Um, I would say that I'm a daredevil because I have anxiety. Like not just the, you know, just like people get a little anxious, but like the written on my medical chart taking medication kind of anxiety, right? Uh, Which means that everything frightens me. (laughs) Everything is a giant risk as I go through the world, Um, from going to new places to having to take unprotected lefts while I'm driving. Um, (laughs) Pre-medication, man, that was quite the event. It started about two miles out when I knew that unprotected left was coming. The the rituals 
to calm myself and to remind myself that I could indeed do this. Um, so that just means in some ways for me, like everyday life is just a nonstop adventure, right? No telling, you know, what kind of roller coasters my heart rate could do um, at any given moment. And sometimes this surprises people because I think my kind of leading characteristic a lot of times when people meet me is that I'm calm, right? I tend, like, we joke, I'm the quiet pastor to Bill's loud pastor, right? I tend to be more of a calm, kind of soothing presence for people when the reality is that this is just a learned skill, right? This is just me continually monitoring myself and going, okay, heart rate, okay, amygdala, bring it down. We're okay. And then I just, so I sense it in all of you when I send my vibes out there. Um, so I think because of that, that's part of the reason that I just, I love this story that we're talking about this morning. Because we are going to be with Peter in a moment of risk-taking and extreme anxiety. Now, I don't get the impression that Peter overall was someone who, like me, struggles with anxiety because we tend to be a little bit more careful, right? A little bit more deliberate and thoughtful and like evaluating risks before we jump into them. What, um, what are you saying about me? About, well, I was talking about Peter, <laughs> oh, but if that's you right. want to identify Bill. <laughs> yeah, because there are these other people in the world who tend to like leap and then think afterwards, right? And overall, we get that vibe that that's who, who Peter is most of the time. Um, but we're going to see him in a moment today where he, he was impulsive, he takes a big risk, and in the middle of it, he basically says, oh crap, what have I done? That's it, right? I mean, let's, if we don't do just kind of the religious speak, that's like, that's what he has. He has that moment, and he starts to panic. And usually when we're telling this story in church, what people love to focus on is how Jesus responds. Because yet yeah, Jesus helps him through the moment, like he's, he's kind of, well, he's about to drown, you know, and Jesus rescues him. But then here's the question that Jesus asks. He says, Peter, why did you doubt? And there are a couple different ways we could hear that question. And some of them, I think, might be more helpful than others. I think the standard way we've tended to hear that question is that Jesus is kind of scolding Peter. Peter, why did you doubt? Oh, Peter. Peter, can't you do a little better? Maybe next time, right? It's <sighs> a little frustrated, a little irritated, and shaming. And especially if you're someone like me, but I think all of us have, have these moments, right, of doubt, of fear, of anxiety, that could feel really difficult. It's not super helpful for me to have that voice in my head, to believe that Jesus is just looking at me, you know, every time I'm approaching my left turn and going, oh, Brenna, why are you doubting? That's not going to help me calm down. <laughs> Jesus, take the wheel, doesn't work in that situation. Um, so what if we imagine Jesus saying those same words with a different voice? What if, I mean, he's, he's gotten Peter out of the water, and he's wrapped him up in a towel. He's helping him get warm. 
the shivering starting to subside. And Jesus is just having a sort of after the situation reflection with him. Like really just curious. Hey, Peter, what was going on there? Why did you doubt? What was happening in your head? What was happening in your heart? What if doubt is actually something that could be transformative? It could actually be, be powerful, could even be helpful in some situations if we, we honored it, if we didn't just sort of bury it because of shame, but we, we took it out and we unpacked it with compassion and said, what is going on here? Why am I doubting that's the approach that we're going to take this morning. We're going to think about some different kinds of doubt. We're going to take them seriously. And we're going to say, okay, maybe some of these are healthier than others. But how could each of them help us to grow? Our friend Rhiannon Ridley is going to come up and read scripture for us this morning. If you guys would help welcome her up. She is. Oh, Bill's got it. Well, she's closer to me, Bill. I can move. <laughs> there you go. And if you all, if you're able and willing and you'd be willing to stand, it's just a way to show with our bodies that um, these words matter. All right. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead, on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, 24, and the, oh, he was there alone, yep. and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the, the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on a lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. People of God, this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you. You may be seated. Thanks, Rhiannon. Boy, I could just listen to her read all day long. <laughs> so nice. Um, I, I wanted, want us to start off thinking about what got Peter out of the boat. And then we're going to think in a minute, Brennan's going to help us think a little bit about what do you do once you're out of the boat? <laughs> um, but, but what gets us out of the boat, and, and we're thinking particularly about this lens of doubt. And I, I suspect, I think there's a way to think about it that, that there are two different ways you can think about how doubt got Jesus out of the boat. So in, in the healthiest sense, doubt gets Peter out of the boat because Peter is doubting what people always told him was the case. Like, hey, you're in a boat. Don't get out. <laughs> right? You're, you're like, don't, don't do that. You're going to drown. 
And yet here's this, this invitation from Jesus, like, sure, come on out. And there are times in which doubt is a gift when we doubt what, what the world has told us, what, uh, what everyone has told us, or even what our minds have told us, suspecting that maybe God is in this in a way that I, I don't see right now. And I was thinking this week, I was thinking of, of some, I mean, a bunch of you and different friends. I, I have a number of friends who have, have heard the voice from their religious communities growing up that you're bad. Mm-hmm. Your God hates you. You're worthless. Mm-hmm. You're not accepted. You're not fully human. And by God's grace, they doubted. Hmm. Right? Do you see it? Because everyone else said, hey, don't do that. Don't step out of this boat, this boat of how we think. Mm -hmm. Whatever that group think might be, don't step out. Don't don't take that risk. You know we're your family, even though we don't treat you very well. And that's what a lot of churches... We'll play that up. And sometimes it's our friends or sometimes, I mean, there's all kinds of things, all kinds of places in your life where you've just accepted the status quo and the greatest gift is the gift of doubt. Say, you know, maybe there's a different way. What if God loved me? Huh, what if I tried that on? I think particularly some of my queer friends, like, I might look at a church where they don't condemn me. What would that be like Mm -hmm. to actually accept myself? Or some of my friends who struggle with with mental health challenges, like, what if this doesn't make me a bad person that I've diagnosed anxiety or OCD Mm -hmm. or long-term depression? Like, what what if that doesn't define how God sees me? And all kinds of issues around, oh, I was told as a child, I was fill in the blank. And then, by God's grace, you start to doubt. And that doubt gets you out of the boat. It gets you moving mm-hmm. towards Jesus, towards, t- towards that call. Mm-hmm. That's healthy doubt, friends. That is healthy doubt. It's a gift. It's a gift from God. Doubt has never been the enemy of faith. It might be the enemy of certainty, mm-hmm. but not the enemy of faith. In fact, if we're going to grow, anytime we're going to grow, doubt is always going to be involved, always. Because growing means not accepting the status quo. Now, the challenge, of course, is that we don't always just doubt in healthy ways, right? We doubt in, in, in other ways. And there are multiple ways to doubt poorly. Uh, I've tried most of them. Um, <laughs> you know, I suspect you've, you've done some work on this as well. But I'm thinking a little bit about Peter here. 
And I just want to look at one particular one, but really there's so many ways to doubt poorly. Um, as I'm with Peter here in this boat, you know, I might be the impetuous, loud pastor type. Perhaps. Perhaps. <laughs> um, like, I'm like, I'm with him. I'm like, I want to get out and prove to those other weaklings how awesome I am. Because I'm overcompensating for how small I feel. Mm. And I doubt that I'm accepted for who I am. Mm. I doubt that I'm enough. I mean, I don't want to, I'm not, don't show, don't show me your hands, but if we did a show of hands, like, I have a feeling a lot would go up. Mm. When we doubt that we're enough, when we doubt that we are the beloved, when we doubt our humanity, and we try to overcompensate, you know, we, we project this false self into this world, and we're like, yeah, I'm out there, you know? And, uh, you know, interesting thing, things happen after that. And, and the problem with doubt is it's not like, oh, it's this kind or it's this kind. It's always, I mean, <laughs> welcome to being human. There's always some of that stuff in there, the gunky stuff. Welcome to being human. I remember, uh, <laughs> I, think I, I think I told this story a few years ago, but anyway. Um, so I just started in college ministry. I'm in my early 20s, and we're in this team ministry. We're doing work in San Diego on the campus of the University of California, San Diego. And my supervisor is this wise, older guy, and uh, there are like 10 of us in this meeting, and he says, hey, describe one word how you're showing up for ministry. And people go around, they share, and I say, Confident. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I can picture it. <laughs> right, I mean, I just so desperately wanted to be confident, and I wanted them to think I was confident. I, the, and the more I grow, the more I realize I really don't know that much. And I really didn't know that much. I mean, you think I'm a mess now. You should have seen me then. <laughs> this is a lot of therapy later. But this is what we do. We doubt. And in some ways, it's helpful. It's, it's, I mean, I took a risk to go into ministry to raise my, you know, financial support and pay for my wife through grad school, all those things. I mean, there was, there was some good stuff in there too, but man, there's a lot of messy stuff. Got you out of the boat. Got me out of the boat. Uh, so that is the question. So what happens with our doubts when we are out of the boat? And I mean, it seems to me like we might also want to recognize here that though in this story, Peter gets out of the boat, like, of his own accord, like, of his choice. I think a lot of times we end up in situations where we do not feel like we made the choice. We feel like we got pushed out of the boat sometimes, right? Like, the, the situation we were in was not healthy. We couldn't stay. Or they told us to leave. And there is 
there's the, our own level of pain around that, right? About the situations and the storms that come into our lives where we don't feel I'm like getting there. Them. Getting there. There's an extra level of mm, powerlessness that comes <laughs> from that. So Peter is out of the boat. And uh, in this story, he starts out. It seems like it's kind of working, right? Because it says, I mean, it's like he's going towards Jesus. There's a, there's a miracle happening. It was a miracle that we saw Jesus walking across the water. Now, Peter's gotten out of the boat, and he's doing the miraculous too. So focused on Jesus in front of him. And then something happens. And he gets distracted. And he starts looking around and he notices that there's a storm and there's some really big waves. And this is kind of a, a crazy thing that he has done. This was a big risk that he took. And he gets afraid and he begins to sink and he calls out to Jesus to save him. So I want to assume in this story that at least some of what got Peter out of the boat was a very healthy doubt. That he truly was just amazed by Jesus. I mean, he saw Jesus doing this incredible thing, and he'd been seeing Jesus do all of these incredible things, teaching and healing people. And he just wanted to be part of it. And so he gets out of the boat, and then what had been a focus on all the good that could be possible flips into a focus on all the things that could go wrong. And that's what takes him under. It seems like a big part of problematic doubt when we're in the middle of hard situations is the kind of what-if questions we start asking ourselves. At least for me, um, a lot of the what-ifs are, are about the worst-case scenarios, right? What happens? I mean, I'm just going to keep going back to my left-turn situation because it's just, I know it's so silly to most of you, right? But, you know, what if I don't see a car, you know, and it comes really fast? And, and what if, you know, like where, I mean, seriously, I can go some places, like thinking where exactly would it hit on the car and where are my kids sitting and where am I sitting? Right? What if? Versus a healthier what if would be like, what if I just make it through fine and we go on our merry way? Right? You know, what if I've done this thousands of times before and it's been fine every time? Right? There are all of these positive, healthy what ifs, but, but we get captured by the ones that point us towards fear, the ones that point us towards aloneness. Uh, Nadia Boltz-Weber, who's an amazing pastor and, and writer, um, she was thinking about situations like these. I think it was a different Jesus in a boat story. And so she says about the disciples, I think their failure was not unlike ours, believing that if their lives were screwed, that must mean that God is far off. Their failure was buying the lie that calm waters are the only satisfying proof of God's presence. 
to say that last part again because it really caught me. Their failure was buying the lie that calm waters are the only satisfying proof of God's presence. If God is with us, everything should be fine. If God is with me, everything in my life should be perfect. And so if things get bumpy, if I'm in a messy part of my story, if the waves are getting too big, it must mean that God is far off. For me, I think there's an additional step to that because I have an explanatory story I tell myself about why God must be far off. Well, God's far off because I'm bad, right? So I would say one of the strongest areas in my life, this is more serious than my left turn struggles, um, but one of the areas where I get caught in the storm too often and I can, I can start believing all sorts of lies about what's happening is in my parenting. So I can think of a couple years ago, we had not yet gotten all of the diagnoses around our, our kids' different neurodivergences, and so we hadn't yet gotten up, set up like accommodations and supports that they needed, and I didn't yet have kind of the explanatory framework of like, this is what an autistic meltdown is, which is actually a very different thing than just like a tantrum that a child might have. This is an autistic meltdown. And so as all sorts of things, noise and just, just eruptions started to become a really common part of our family life because my poor children were just stretched way beyond their limits in the current situation they were in. Um, I, oh my goodness, it was a storm. I mean, it was, it was really, really difficult as a parent. But the story that I started to tell myself was I was a bad mother, right? Because if I were a good mother, we wouldn't have all of this noise and drama, interruptions, and, and just the sense that my kids were miserable pretty frequently. A, that wouldn't happen to a good mother, right? And so I don't remember really being angry at God Maybe every once in a while there's a little bit of, God, you know that whole thing about not giving me more than I can handle? We're right on the edge, just so you know. Um, but just this feeling of, this is me. Like, I, I clearly am a bad mother. Versus being able to see and go like, oh, something hard is happening here. And the same compassion that I'm trying to give my children in these very loud and difficult moments, maybe somebody wants to give that to me. Again, maybe Jesus is actually feeling compassion for me in these moments. You know, in the story, right, Jesus doesn't just sit there and kind of chuckle at Peter, uh-huh, sink or swim, buddy, you know, like got yourself into this mess, if you just had a little more faith, like, he reaches down, right? He draws him up. He helps him. And so it was such a learning process to me to start trying in those moments to not add to my own misery, but to 
to actually try to, <laughs> it's Kristen Neff is the, the researcher who took, talks a lot about self-compassion. And for me, I kind of, I connected it with that Jesus compassion to in those moments to be able to try to, again, not be so focused on the waves, the waves telling me that I was horrible and I mean, that maybe Jesus is just going to step back, hands off, but to believe that there was boundless compassion out there for me to say, this, this is a difficult moment, and it's a human moment. And I can be gentle with myself, like Jesus would be gentle with me. And I guess I just want to say, I think when we do that, when we believe that God is leaning towards us, in that way, that Jesus is learning towards us in that way, I do think that's when growth can happen. Because it's just hard for me to imagine that Peter walked away from this situation feeling like, like I failed and I'm never doing that again. Like It's hard for me to believe that Jesus would want him to walk away from this, thinking, well, I screwed that up. Never going to walk out of that boat again. I guess I learned my lesson right? That's not growth. It also wouldn't be growth if, you know, Peter just kind of skipped merrily across the waves and at the end said, woohoo, I did it. I'm so awesome. But what if in this situation he had a chance to say, Jesus didn't let me sink. I took a risk. It was hard. Jesus was there for me. I kept going. Like, that is learning. That is growth. Not because the waves or the struggles are good in and of themselves. I'm not trying to say the waves are good. I am trying to say the doubts aren't bad. The struggle that we experience in the midst of the waves isn't bad. It's where we learn to experience compassion, and to keep going. I'd like to invite up our friend, Ari Kim Elarabi, who's going to now make it all plain. Yeah. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure at all. Uh, for those who are new around City Church, we love to have people just from the, like, normal people. Um, not like, you know, these high and reverent pastor types. Um, I mean, we're who, so scary. <laughs> just share a little bit of their story. Like, what does this look like? How do you, have you experienced this and what it's like for you? So, uh, Ari, tell us a little bit. How long have you been around City Church? Why are you here? Just to kind of get to know you. Yeah, um, we have been at City Church just over a year. So end of 2022 is kind of where we started dabbling with City Church um, we were coming from kind of rupture and pain with mm. our former church that we were um, heavily integrated into for, I don't know, five years, six years, mm. so significant time. Um, and I think what we were looking for was um, we had a kind of sensitivity to looking for how is a church, our next church, um, thinking about wielding and sharing power, um, as well as I think we were trending towards we want a specifically like affirming church. Um, and so what's kept us here is that I think the way that City Church um, talks about power dynamics and distributes power um, has been refreshing, and it's clearly non-traditional kind of atmosphere, um, as well as I think the pockets where not only is it queer-affirming, but queer-centering, I think, has been really refreshing. Mm. 
Thanks. That's, that. Boy, that was nice. I prepared um, for that one. So <laughs> we'll see. It's downhill from here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe that. Um, so, so doubt. Have you um, the have you had some experience with unhealthy unhealthy doubt? Like you, like maybe you're not like me. Maybe you're not like overcompensating doubt. But I mean, have you felt maybe debilitated by doubt? Like, have there been those? And maybe that's not your experience with doubt. We'll talk for a second about healthy doubt, but. Um, do you resonate with the idea of the unhealthy times of doubt? Yeah, I think this one felt, um, you know, full disclosure, I got a preview of some questions. Um, <laughs> I think this one felt harder to come up with a specific, like, mm -hmm. example. Yeah. Um, I'd say that for me, probably adjacent to pride is, like, an indicator for an, of unhealthy doubt for me is um, where entitlement kind of creeps up. Mm. And so I think particularly in my relationship with God or creator, right, what is my entitlement? And so the asking of the why behind things might be okay and valid for me, but I think the expectation of I am owed a clear, clear like, why behind this. So mm. quick example is yeah. um, in high school, so back in high school, senior year, so I don't know, 18, 17, whatever it was, um, and Sorry, I think the context is I grew up uh, steeped in evangelical culture. So Korean Presbyterian mm -hmm. Church, if you guys are familiar. Um, yes. So many, many years devoted there. Our family was um, between Fridays and Sundays, you are constantly at church. Um, so Friday youth group is when it starts after school's out. Saturday is probably prepping for Sunday things. My mom was involved in kids ministry, things like that. Um, Sunday is an all-day church setup, mm -hmm. cleanup socialized community. Um, and so I think, you know, Tarantino style, so fast forward, what's happening is that uh, my, my parents um, had kind of a marital rupture. So there was infidelity involved from my dad. Um, and I think what that showed in that hard time was as I was processing this, right, I felt entitled that we were giving a lot to God, right? A lot of good things, a lot of obedience mm -hmm. from my individual life, but as a, as a family unit, um, minus my dad. My dad wasn't kind of practicing faith. But for the three of us, uh, my mom, myself, and my sister, we were obediently following along, right? And so we should be owed a marital unit, family unit that is unscathed and unbroken. Mm -hmm. um, so I think to the quote, I think, Brenna, you shared something about... The one like, about the waves, Yeah, right? the waves, yeah. right? Like, I, I definitely resonated with that, where it's um, now I started to see the kind of shakiness of it. And so entitlement in that mm -hmm. was like yeah. the why behind, why did my dad do this? Why is our family getting kind of this rupture and this pain um, yeah. when we had done years of service, right? And so that's a sneaky mm -hmm. thing that kind of crept up. Mm -hmm. I think it's yeah. pretty, hopefully resonates with folks. Um, yeah. Fairly common experience. Yeah. 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 Um, so at some point you came to doubt some of those, kind of what was entrusted to you, kind of what faith looked like. And so you had some questions around that. And, and that seems like that shifted where you are kind of with God, your spiritual journey. And it seems like some of that's been pretty healthy for you, would you say? Or... Like, how would you articulate that? Yeah, um, I think it's it's definitely been hard, um, is how yeah. I would articulate that. Um, but I think the growth has been, yeah, examining, like, where do I feel entitled to something? Um, and that it's not, right, like, the, the better I am or the less sinful, more good I am means I'm guaranteed a certain outcome, mm -hmm. right, um, mm -hmm. unscathed. But 
that's yeah similar to Jesus reaching out to Peter and saying you know why did you doubt I'm here right the unmet need is I think the level of security um, that I expect from my creator and so you know that's kind of it's calibrated over the years and it's still calibrating um, mm -hmm. but I think I feel a bit more secure and prepared to weather like hard things and know yeah. that God is still constant and that I didn't like F word up F word up. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, you know, like, I didn't yeah. do something to cause that. Like, I didn't pray enough leading up to it. Or, right. you know, I missed a certain few Friday night Bible studies, and that's why my, you know, dad and mom had a difficult time. <laughs> like yeah. That. So would you say you're actually grateful for some of your doubt? I mean, some of, like, the actual, like, I'm not sure I believe God was this way, and now I think, you know, and that's helped me transition to a new view of God? Or would you say that always it was so uncomfortable that you couldn't even be grateful for it? Um, tricky question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, think, I don't know. I think I'm, I'm here for just yeah, talking. You're going, you're going the way. Um, I think that it helps me to, right, something like, um, I think it helps bring clarity to things that like are, are living intellectually up here. Right, like God is faithful. What does that mm -hmm. mean, right? Creator is faithful to you. Um, I think that that when you aren't experiencing doubt or something that's difficult, right, can be in this like happy utopian bubble. Mm -hmm. um, you feel like, mm -hmm. yeah, that's the that's the truth I was given. I experience it, therefore it's true. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. When you have when you insert something that questions that, mm -hmm. right, I think that has helped me get a little bit clearer on. Is that really true? Have I felt that in my life? Do I feel that now? Do I expect to feel that in the future? Mm -hmm. um, so helpful. Big questions, yeah. but <laughs> no, no, that totally yeah. makes sense. So, yeah. Um, and in, and this whole idea of kind of being out of the boat now and in the storm. You know, I mean, you had you had that storm in high school. I assume there have been storms since. Like, do you do you have a sense of of God being there with you, your creator being present, or, or maybe is that something you're still reconciling um, in terms of some of the, the storms you're facing these days? Yeah, um, so I think what has showed up a lot is um, as I kind of, I think, expand the breadth and depth of my worldview, right? And I'm forced to kind of reckon with the beliefs that I was taught Again, very deep in church culture. So um, a lot of it came about when I was exploring kind of sexuality theology and how I mm -hmm. had been taught certain things, mm -hmm. right? And what do I want to do with that? Um, and so I remember early, there's like an MLK quote, something about like the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends towards justice, yes. yep. right? And so couple that with like the seek justice, love mercy, walk mm -hmm. humbly, that, that scripture, mm -hmm. that felt really core to me. And so... As I kind of went on this, you know, like political view is tr trending more progressive, church worldview is trending more progressive, I had to reckon with like, do I think that I have the same God? And like, what characters of God am I looking forward to taking with me as I, you know, delve into the questioning and into the doubt, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it's um, something that's helpful is, am I questioning God or am I questioning my beliefs about God? Mm -hmm. um, and so then that is where I've seen a lot of growth. Um, where I've been able to relinquish my beliefs of God, whether it was from myself or 
um, handed down and taught mm -hmm. um, and letting, you know, being able to relinquish that and swap it out for new ones and then say like, okay, that feels consistent with the creator God that I take with me today. Um, mm -hmm. And so, I don't know if that answered the question. No, actually, I, but no. So, Boy, um, that's so something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, on, I hear come that. On. Yeah. Um, wow, I mean, so much to chew on here. Um, do you have a question for us? You don't have to. Yeah, he always <laughs> gives that yeah, a I caveat. Think, <laughs> I think the question around like risk taking. So is there mm -hmm. a current risky opportunity that either of you are like either assessing actively or have like in an incubator? So you're like not touching that yet, but mm. will be touching it in the next year. Mm. <laughs> That's good. I'm gonna let you answer first because you're the extrovert. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, yeah, I mean, there is. Are you looking at me for permission? Yes. I'm, <laughs> so I'm not so sure exactly which one you're thinking about. <laughs> so let's assume you have permission. Well, there, so my son and I have been working on a really significant article for a major um, newspaper over the last year. And it's super risky. It's like, I'm like totally putting my guts out there. And so mm -hmm. it feels, um, you know, I've had a lot of conversations with my therapist, with some mentors, with Brenna, with others, like, ooh, this feels really scary. Um, and then I forget about it for a month and it's fine. And then I think, what the, what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> So yes, there, there are definitely some, that's, that's one of the spaces in my life that's right now is very... Very risk-taking. Risky. Yeah. So I think for me, uh, I would say I've been noticing, I mean, more than usual, because actually, I mean, so I, I, I do have anxiety. I am in some ways risk-averse. I do take pretty big calculated risks pretty frequently. I think I've been noticing lately that over the last year or two, um, I feel like I've experienced some um, just relational pushback, you know, in terms of theology and family, and 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 so I think I've been I've been feeling like unusually risk averse. So I've I've just been noticing within myself, you know, this sort of like ah, there's. There's been some ouch, you know, relationally over the last year or two. And so I think I just have to say, like, yeah, I, I think I've been a little bit, like, I'm aware of it. And so I actually, I, f I kind of feel like God's cool with it right now. <laughs> you know, that I'm a little bit like, all right, I think this isn't a little bit of a breathing season. A little bit of like, okay, that was hard. We did it. Let's just, let's grow and heal and, and be a little mellow for a little while. Um, so I think I'm not in like, but, but in sort of like a, I think it's sort of the dip in between, right? Like there will be more risks to take, but right now we're, we're healing up just a little bit. It's okay to be on a, like a safe lily pad. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those little seasons God gives you sometimes, I think to be like, all right, that was hard. Let's breathe. Mm. Uh, would you thank God for our friend Ari? Thank Thanks, you. Ari. <laughs> I knew she was going to ask a terrible question. Oh, that was so good. 
It was, it was such a good one. It's always like figuring out like, yeah, how to answer honestly and I know. authentically in the moment. I know. Yeah. 